just allowing yourself a moment to shift your reality, to know that what you are doing is no longer this usual mundane action and that you are adding a piece of sacredness to the moment, that is a way to shift reality. Drop in. Unwind. And recalibrate. As we shift your mentality and your reality. Let's elevate alongside one another as we keep the vibes high and we keep the consciousness ever evolving in this collective of high vibrational frequencies. Welcome Welcome to to the the High Vibe Vibe Collective Collective Podcast. We're your hosts, Aaron and Stephanie. Welcome back to the High Vibe Collective Podcast. Today we have Sabina Malinali. She's an expert practitioner here at the High Vibe Collective, and she is a psycho-spiritual integration coach, energy healer, and moon dancer. Today, we're going to be talking about rituals and how to incorporate them into your life for spiritual healing and transformation. So, Sabina, thank you for being here. Mm, Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited. Absolutely. It's a a pleasure. And it's always so fascinating for people to work with you who are new to this space and might not have a concept of rituals that's healthy, or they might not know how to use rituals in a way Mm. to actually experience different forms of healing or transformation. So could you share with us what a ritual even is and how that can benefit us? Mm. Yeah, I mean, just the word rituals, when I hear that, um, I always get very excited because for me, it allows to create a connection and a relationship with poetic acts. Mm. So when I think of rituals, it's no longer thinking of a blind way of doing some instructions or ways that we're supposed to do something. It's what makes sense to you, what makes sense to your soul, to your your psyche, and to your own healing journey to allow those actions to take place and to be magnified and amplified by, you know, the forces that are in cooperation with you or even the space, the land, or the situation that you're going through that you want to just observe and, and... yeah, move. So a ritual could be a lot of different things. It's not just something that you read in a book that was written 100 years ago. Right. I mean, as human beings, we are very intertwined to rituals, to creating altars. There's even, you know, ways to know that our ancestors left um, altars in places that serve as places for ritual and ceremony. They are there. They exist. We go through maybe um, archaeological sites and we see uh, pyramids, you know, or ceremonial places that continue to be um, there for us to know that humans really admire sacred tools to work with or places to honor or creating circles to come together and either observe something, celebrate something, or just come together for the sake of um, community and expansion. Mm. So when you say ritual, could you give us some examples real quick of rituals that you might recommend to people 
without going into the detail because we'll drop in. Yeah, what are some rituals? Right. I mean, it can start something as simple. Let's say that you always have been drinking coffee all your life. And one day in your healing journey, you realize that maybe uh, the way you're relating to coffee is no longer serving your body, is no longer serving how you regulate your energy. So you want to make a shift and a transition into another substance that also allow you to you know, tap into that creative flow and feel that you have more energy. So let's say that you are switching now into cacao. So there's a new relationship there in the way you are going to relate to this new substance that you're going to put in your body. So it's no longer that you just take cacao and that's it. It's like the whole preparation, like how you do it, where you get the water to prepare this new uh, drink, the cup that you use. Are you using a disposable cup or are you going into your favorite cup? Just allowing yourself a moment to shift your reality, to know that what you are doing is no longer this usual mundane action and that you are adding a piece of sacredness to the moment, that is a way to shift reality. As humans, we love beauty. And I like to say, like, yeah, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. But then if your psyche feels that there's no longer something normal and simple, you are adding value of beauty. So when you are able to deliver that value to yourself, that beauty, your brain knows that there's a difference, that you're about to cross a threshold between what is mundane and what is inviting the mind to drop into a more sacred space, a more creative space, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So a ritual doesn't have to be something that takes the whole evening necessarily. It could be something that we're doing every day. And we can treat it like a ritual and have a different relationship to it. So what if someone does have that relationship to coffee, like you're saying, mm-hmm. maybe it's more habitual than it is ritual based. Mm-hmm. Could someone keep drinking coffee and treat it differently and still get benefits mm. from having a ritual with it versus got to drink my coffee to feel awake? Right. Yeah. I I believe it's that relationship and the value that we want to add to things in life. I will say it's not the same to have a relationship with coffee and go and buy it from, let's say, the gas station and to know that you are grinding your own being, that you are creating a connection, that you no longer call it even like coffee. It's now like bean juice. (laughs) And you start creating a connection to whatever you are putting in your body and making sure that it's coming from a source that feels more sustainable, that you know where it's coming from. So that's deepening a relationship. And it's no longer just like, oh, I do this in automatic pilot. It's like, wait a minute. Um, can I take a moment and check with myself if this is serving me, if I'm creating a connection or not? And yeah, that can eventually shift your entire mindset. Instead of feeling like you need three cups a day, you can start, bless your co- coffee, talk to your coffee. We know that when we speak to the water, the water creates messages. Well, it's the same way. You can do the same with any drink that you are taking mm-hmm. and be like, maybe um, I want to set the intention that today I just need one cup. Mm. and see what happens right right wonderful so what forms do rituals take Mm -hmm. you know in your life and Mm -hmm. when you work with people in groups or one-on-one what are you doing with rituals and why Mm. 
Well, my big why for rituals is that I believe rituals are a portal that allow the soul to be revealed in deeper ways. It's not the same to enter a room where you are supposed to sit and be psychoanalyzed or to enter a room that invites comfort, beauty, that you can stay calm, that you are a human being and you are being seen in your journey as you are. So there's already a difference. I feel people are able to drop into a more calm and graceful state when they feel that the entire environment is supportive of their journey that they are pursuing. Mm, mm. Wonderful. So what got you into rituals and how does that relate to the integration coaching that you do? Mm, yeah. Well, I consider myself an explorer of the soul. I love exploring my mind. And there were times in my life that I felt I was going really deep into exploring um, my consciousness to a point that it was no longer sustainable to just stay in that ethereal realm. I needed to move through life. I needed to move through the mundane, do my activities, be a normal human. And for me, it was uh, very difficult to reconcile both realities, being in a very expansive state, but then knowing that, hey, I live here in this realm where everyone needs to navigate and be mundane. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, reigniting that passion for life, reigniting even my desire to be in the world as it is, require a little shift, like reclaiming magical moments. And I, I know, like I want to say like magical, what on what, but magical as my own capacity to be empowered to shift my surroundings by simple acts, as I say, like... Mm. Yeah, you mentioned living a mundane life and that we all have aspects of life that are mundane. Like mm -hmm. that's part of this world, it seems. Mm -hmm. It sounds like rituals change the mundane mm -hmm. into something magical. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I really like how you put that together. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of <clears throat> integrating these consciousness exploring realms like that can take so many different forms right mm -hmm. but as someone who has spiritual awareness and they're looking to expand and maybe they explore consciousness through this thing or through this thing or through this type of experience there's so many ways but it you work with people to integrate that mm -hmm. kind of regardless of what the exploration was right mm -hmm. so can you speak on that and how that came to you and, and why and how you work with people in integration mm -hmm. well one of the main things that i see in people is that they receive very life-changing messages or insights or their awareness really magnified and amplified about a specific subject. Let's say um, a client that realizes that they really need to deepen their connection with their mother. And it sounds so simple. Oh, you need to deepen your connection with the mother. Just call her. But in that step of getting there into the instruction that you're receiving, let's call it like that, like instruction, there's a process because the, the mind is not going to allow you to be like, oh yeah, the solution is that simple. I just need to call. So just start with something more simple, like little steps that can allow the mind to drop into that space, to relax, and to be prepared for the shift that is going to happen if you allow yourself to, to create that connection again. 
Mm-hmm. So there's the the approach to using a ritual, whether it's daily or maybe even a ritual for integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something you facilitate, mm-hmm. right? Um, what are some of the results that you've seen with people after they've actually experienced an integration? Mm-hmm. It's not very common that we have integration. Society doesn't build in integrations. You, mm-hmm. you work, you eat, you sleep, you play. It's about it. But when do we integrate that? Mm-hmm. And so since you do that with people, what have you seen after someone has a real integration process? Mm. I see that people are able to reconcile the potential of what is waiting for them on the other side of the journey and what they are just like barely new retrieving from that healing space. Right. Yes. Right. And so what is the importance of having integrations? Right. So if our mind and our soul are fragmented, and let's say like as humans, we navigate with two wings. We need the soul, we need the psyche to become whole. So if one of those parts feels fractured, there's no back to wholeness. So whenever we are integrating a new insight, a new way of showing up, of being, there's this process of recalibration. And sometimes, as you mentioned, in society, we just want to keep going, keep going. Like our modern society allows us to just um, move forward all the time. But if we just invite that moment to pause, to really decompress and pretty much like take all the insights and move them, we're going to be able to see an entire puzzle of what it is that we need to do in order to reconcile both realities. If we just stay like that, like there's no weaving of both parts. Right, right. So even if someone doesn't have a specific consciousness exploration moment or season or whatever, that reality that we're constantly moving and Mm -hmm. not integrating very often, really anyone will Mm -hmm. benefit from different forms of integration. Mm -hmm. So could you walk us through, if someone came to you for an integration, for a specific purpose or for general integrating, what would you do with them? Mm. I love that because there's no specific process. I just like to imagine that we are on an alternative classroom where we're going to study the main subject, which is your soul and your psyche. Mm. And when we're able to be in that space, um, I like to take people into like a roadmap journey to see, okay, where were you at this time? What was the main opening or the threshold or that event that really was the catalytic experience to move you forward into your healing journey? Mm -hmm. So in some cases, it may be like people went to a healing ceremony maybe 10 years ago, but then they didn't know what to do and they stopped the journey there. But if they are able to look back in time in their healing um, roadmap, there was already a milestone there. So instead of being like, okay, every year is a milestone, I just try to retrieve those moments in their timeline where something catalytic happened or created a shift, and from there we start moving forward. Wow, wow. That's fascinating. (laughs) And so did you have an experience at some point that was an integrative experience for you that made you realize you wanted to help others in this way? 
Mm. Yeah, for me, it started when I went through a deep, deep awakening. I was a, a teacher in the public school system, and I just couldn't move forward into why I was so depressed when I was working at a very prestigious school in the school system, and I was going forward, and I had a beautiful uh, classroom of kindergartners, and yet there was something else that I felt out of place, and I didn't have the frameworks or the support um, around me to tell me like, okay, you are not going crazy, you are not losing your mind, it's just that you're going through a big expansion and really trying to find realignment. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so you were in the school system and you were feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. And what happened next? Hmm. Well, I was questioning reality so deeply and I was not finding any answers whatsoever. And that was keeping me even more depressed and frustrated to the point that I was like, okay, this is a point of no return in my life. I stay in this state or I continue to seek answers of, of what can support me into moving from that state. Because at that point, I didn't want to go to the pharmaceutical industry or get anything to support that. I knew it was deeper and I knew it was at a soul level. And that's why when I started working with mandalas, and then mandalas took me into working with altars. And when I say altars, I was also very triggered. I was like, okay, I don't want to relate some religious thing like an altar into my own uh, healing exploration. But then I realized that I was bringing into my home a healing environment and pretty much curating a beacon in my space just to drop in and to start meditating. At that time, I feel I was not really deep into my um, spiritual practices, but having a place in my home to really feel that I was inviting the sacredness in my own way to explore my connection with the divine without any intermediary was so healing and empowering for me. Instead of having to go through someone or like, let's say a healer, I was like, okay, there's no one here. It's just me and my connection with my soul, the divine, and no one is telling me exactly what to do, yet I'm finding ways to reconnect with self. Wow. So rituals for you have been a way to reconnect with yourself. Yes. And skip the middleman of having to go somewhere or through someone to connect with the divine or your higher self. Mm -hmm. And do you have active rituals today that you do daily or maybe monthly? Could you tell us about what you're doing now with rituals? Well, one of my main practices is working with altars, as I mentioned, as a beacon of energetic alignment and using my sacred tools. And a sacred tool can be something as simple as I have a beautiful walk in the red rocks and I found a stick. So I put back into my altar. And that's a reminder that on that day, I gave myself time and space to be in nature, to really find that sense of belonging, not just a community, but to my own body, to the land. Mm. And it's there. Mm. So whatever piece that may not be meaningful to you, it's meaningful for me. That's why I love rituals so much, because they speak the language of the soul of the person. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment that is no longer just doing a blind ritual. Mm -hmm. It's like you are practicing how to communicate and relate to your own soul. Mm -hmm. 
And in that relationship, you are also opening yourself to the language of the divine. Mm -hmm. And that's a connection that only you can have. That's a connection that only I can have. Mm -hmm. And I found that quite fascinating because everyone is going to be so different. When I uh, curate altar spaces with people, I am able to learn so much from them and their journey based on the item, items or the ways they arrange a space because that is what is meaningful to them. And it's no longer telling someone like, oh, your altar is <laughs> right or wrong. It's like, oh, that's an expression of your soul. And it turns into the artistic blueprint that we all carry as creators of beauty. Mm. So you have an altar space at home yes. that you use in a ritualistic sense, mm -hmm. right? And, and when we say ritual, that might sound religious to people or kind of mm -hmm. scary or like, oh, she's a witch or something like that, right? Right. So how could you help us bridge that gap in terms of having an altar mm -hmm. and honoring that or having some ritual that's maybe connected to a sacred altar space in your home mm -hmm. or having a ritual that maybe someone goes on a walk as the ritual and they're very conscious of how they're walking, right? Because everyone's mm -hmm. ritual could be anything. Right. There's no right or wrong. It's about what speaks to that soul. Mm -hmm. So do you have anything to share about why rituals either aren't connected to religion mm -hmm. or don't have anything to do with witchcraft mm -hmm. if, it, if people don't want it to, right? Right. How, how could you describe it to someone that might be turned off? Right. Well, first of all, in a ritual, you don't need to adore any deity or call into the space any deity that you are not connected with or any like gods, like whatsoever. This is more like a practice of showing up for how you want to create a beautiful and inviting space for yourself to connect. And in that way, it's also a way to give a space to probably emotions or situations that are happening in your life. Like nowadays in our society, we're grieving. It's just opening up to be invited. Some people that don't have um, community containers for grieving but still need to express that need of grief, they can bring um, probably um, a picture from a beloved into the space. And that is already a way to, to express that there's something happening in the space. Right, right. Beautiful. So what does it mean to have an embodied ritual practice? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to be embodied in any of the work that you do? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I, I think like the main step to tap into your embodiment is to really find that connection with your soul and start doing the work of reclaiming more of who you are and really giving yourself the permission and the gift of exploring your gifts, your talents, and what you are capable of doing. I feel we talk a lot about finding your purpose, finding your purpose. What are you here to do, to serve? But if you just start by thinking, how am I here to serve my own soul? And from that space, you are able to amplify what it is that you want to do for the world. But as I said, you start first with serving myself, then serving the world. And how can I create that connection with my own body? occupying a space in this earth vessel before I want to occupy a place in the world. 
Mm-hmm. So it all starts within. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Embodying your, your body, embodying more of your soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So if someone came to you and asked, Sabina, my life feels mundane. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. It sounds like me years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, I will say we need to treat each other with so much compassion nowadays. And instead of thinking like that is a big, big issue, just to know that it's part of our own human experience. We go through different life transitions. And according to where we are in life, something new is going to present to ourselves. We are not walking, living and breathing this life in a linear path. We're always going into a spiral journey. So if there's a time in life that you don't know what you're doing, who you are, uh, it's important to remind that person or yourself that it's just a matter of that specific time and period of your development as a human. Mm-hmm. And once we're able to you know, anchor that and calm that down, then we start weaving more of the themes. Just thinking about the life pie. There's different themes, like there's the partnership, the love life, what you do for a living, your work environment, where, where do you live, what are your dreams? So from there, just start moving, like seeing the big picture so we can take a meta perspective and, you know, treat it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so if someone <clears throat> feels like, you know, maybe their work life's not right, maybe their home life's not right, maybe their relationships aren't right, whatever it is, where could they start if they just don't have an idea, but they're intrigued and they're listening now and Mm -hmm. they're wondering, wow, rituals, I feel like I could bring some presence and meaning to to my life. Where could they start if they had to start somewhere? Mm. Well, I will say finding a place in your immediate surroundings where you feel that you can uh, take a moment for self. And it can be something so simple as, okay, I really love and spend so much time in my bathroom. So what can I do in my bathroom to create a more inviting environment? Or maybe finding a corner in your house where you can just take a moment to sit, to grab a cup of tea, to be more mindful about how you are spending time and Mm. energy. Mm. And from there, you can start arranging it in ways that are more supportive of your practices. Let's say that someone just newly discovered that they want to start writing more, but they don't have the time or the energy, or there's not even a desk in the space where they live. It's like, okay, you want to write, find the tools, find the way that you can make time and space to really sit there with your practice, with your writing. And could that be experienced as a ritual to start trying to write? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And it can be as simple as, okay, I make the time and space and this is my special pen that I'm going to write every day. Or going into the store, finding a journal, finding the right pages that inspire you. The moment you smell a new notebook, the moment you touch the pages, it's like, oh, that's an invitation for me to know that I'm not writing the grocery store list, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I'm going to write something that really excites me. Yeah. One of the themes that I hear coming up throughout this conversation is that the ritual aspect of life comes from 
being present and intentional and fully showing up for with all of your being that thing in front of you, mm. whether it's the coffee or the, the new notebook and the writing time. Mm-hmm. So if no one ever adopted any type of ritual, mm-hmm. what would the outcome be? I mean, would everything be mundane? Or do people already have rituals and they don't know it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, because it can be seen as both ways. What rituals are you creating that are also not supportive of your healing journey? Mm-hmm. How can you unritualize pretty much <laughs> that path in order to create a ritual that is more supportive of yourself? Mm-hmm. That brings up um, maybe mental patterns or beliefs that mm-hmm. actually don't serve us. And sometimes we think that belief is true. And then it causes problems. Mm-hmm. And so that could be viewed as a ritual. Like mm-hmm. holding that belief in mind repeatedly mm-hmm. could be considered a ritual. Absolutely. Let's say uh, you want to shift and upgrade your reality, but you don't know how. So you create a ritual to disrupt the normal reality that you have been experiencing. Mm-hmm. And what is one of the most profound rituals that you've adopted you know, whether it was for a few months or a few years or something maybe that you still do that made a huge difference on your journey? Mm, that's a deep question. Yeah. Um, working with altars, I always felt a lot of resistance seeing myself as a creative artist, like with painting, with modeling clay. I always felt that was not for me. But then the moment I start working with rituals and arranging my sacred space, working with flowers, inviting colors, inviting shapes, I realized I was very instinctively creating compositions. And every time I was sitting in front of the altar, I was always like mesmerized by how simple items put together in a specific way will be spiritual art Mm. for your own soul like they don't need to be a big painting but you know when when i think about going into the land and collecting rocks or collecting uh, wood it's like Mm. oh the earth is already giving us tools to Mm. create something Mm. wow yeah so creating altars has helped you to experience something that anchors you possibly mm-hmm. into who you are more, mm-hmm. right? So when you say altar, you know, sometimes people have an altar in their house that's always on one shelf and mm-hmm. maybe it changes over time, mm-hmm. but you also work with altars that don't last, right? Mm-hmm. And they're maybe specific to a couple hours, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so how could someone use their own permanent or temporary altar for themselves if they've never intentionally used a ritual or intentionally created an altar what could they do at home today tonight to nurture their relationship with themselves Hmm. i will say just take a moment to think what you are trying to bring more into your life right now what are your dreams what are your desires what are you even like working on yourself or let's say that you receive a very unique or mystical message from the universe. And it's still in a very untangible state. 
So with an altar, what we're doing is translating the intangible into a tangible shape that can be seen by the soul, by the eyes, and also anchored in a space. So once you, you think about that, like what am I working, what am I attracting, let's say something very simple. I am trying to attract divine partnership. How can I give that intention a space in my life right now? So maybe I can bring a little figurine of two lovers or I can bring a heart into my space. So whenever I see that um, a specific item I am reminded that, oh, I'm working in attracting this into my life or even healing mm. that with, within myself. Mm. Right. So people can use anything they have or anything from nature or maybe even get something specific mm -hmm. to create their altar space. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that altar space is really a container of our heart mm. almost. It yeah. feels like that, like things that are near and dear to us that are actively part of our awareness, our wants, our desires, our, mm. our what we're yearning for, things like that. Mm. That's what I'm picking up. Yeah, because I also believe we are all storytellers. So think about when you were in preschool, kindergarten, and you have a storytelling time. You were eager to go to the classroom, bring your special item or toy, and tell a story. Mm -hmm. It's the same with an altar and sacred items. There's a story behind them. There's a meaning. And that's very specific to you. That's why I feel this allows the opportunity to be so creative because you get to move the energy as you want, as you need. Mm, yeah. Wow. So let's bring it full circle with um, rituals. So if someone wants to start a ritual, we talked about a couple of things. Maybe it's writing. Maybe it's treating your morning drink differently. Mm -hmm. um, what are a couple other examples of how people can start rituals? Mm -hmm. You know, because some people, maybe they live with others that might condemn them mm -hmm. for having a ritual or an altar space mm -hmm. or even talking about integrating big experiences in their life. Right. So do you have any recommendations for starting some form of ritual, whether it's small or big, mm -hmm. in an environment that might not be supportive of that? Mm. Well, I will say that that will be already quite challenging to try to remove yourself from feeling like someone is going to criticize or dislike the work that you are doing. Mm -hmm. So just remain open. Know that you are going to create a connection with yourself, with your psyche, with your healing journey, mm -hmm. and to stay in a, a state of curiosity. You are doing that to explore. That doesn't mean that you need to adopt this practice. Mm -hmm. If it serves you well, if it doesn't, like you keep trying. Some people thrive when they do rituals and others need more uh, practical skills. You know, mm -hmm. like this is just one of the many tools out there mm -hmm. to start creating a connection with mm -hmm. yourself and the divine and your own creativity. Yeah. So if someone's own sacred space was just their car when they're, when they're driving to and from places, if the home's maybe not conducive or if the workplace isn't conducive or if there's not a good park to go to nearby to have a, a sacred space and they were confined to wanting to express something in their car, of course they could journal in their car, mm -hmm. right? Or they could create an altar somewhere in their car, right? Mm -hmm. um, does anything else come to mind that you ever recommend to people when they're starting to play around with rituals? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just to know that there is no right or wrong. You have the birthright to explore, to remain curious, and to know that this is a practice that is meant to serve you and to really deepen a connection with what it is that you want to amplify, manifest, or even invite your psyche to, to explore more. Beautiful, beautiful. So you're multifaceted and there's so many things that you share with people on a regular basis. And we'll dive into those in other episodes as well. Yeah. Uh, is there any last message that you want to share with people in general? Obviously, we've talked about rituals. We've talked about how you've used altar spaces and mm -hmm. how that kind of pairs with rituals. Mm -hmm. uh, the embodiment of rituals and mm -hmm. living your life as a whole ritual even, right? Mm -hmm. And then also the importance of integrating big experiences and how that mm -hmm. in and of itself really is a ritual, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is there anything you want to leave people with in terms mm -hmm. of what's coming through you right now? Mm. I will say that one of the biggest rituals that we can do as humans is come together as community. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know where to start with your own practice with rituals, just find um, community activities and take a place of the observer And you're going to realize that everything we do in community as humans is part of the ritual. And it's part of amplifying whatever it is that we're doing. For example, uh, for the High Back Collective, when, when we come together in community, that could be also seen as a ritual. Mm -hmm. Just tapping into the technology of being there, of showing up, of being in a circle, of learning how to occupy your place in a circle with your own community, That for me is already a big ritual for you to know, okay, this is how I'm showing up. This is how I can contribute to others. This is how others can support me or um, be there in my own journey, be seen. The act of being seen in your full authenticity and depth, regardless of where you are in your journey, is a big part of community healing and rituals. Mm, that's a wonderful takeaway. You can yeah. start a ritual on your own or you can experience it in community and show up to community events or something that's happening, maybe even as simple as going to a yoga class could mm -hmm. be considered a group ritual mm -hmm. and really treat it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we might approach a yoga class like, let's go in, we're going to do this and then move on with our day, but we really could slow down mm -hmm. and treat it like a ritual mm -hmm. or maybe treat that morning drive to work a ritual. Mm -hmm. and add so much depth and quality to that experience mm. yeah that's really beautiful so so much more to come uh sabina it's been so wonderful you can learn more about sabina and what she does and um work with her at her website sabinamalinali.com yes correct thank you absolutely so you can find that in the description and also on instagram at sabina.malinali And thank you so much, Sabina. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. And thank you all for listening and stay tuned. We love to hear from you. If something um, came up, please don't hesitate on comment. Let us know. And thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll see you on the next one.